Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Hello and welcome to Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. I'm Dusty. And I'm Mike. If you're joining us for the first time, Trail Mix is the short format episodes of our show. While our long format episodes explore one hiking trail and one national park, one park at a time, Trail Mix allows us to dive deeper into things we didn't get to cover in our long format episodes. That's right. And this Trail Mix is inspired by the time we spent exploring the trails of America's newest national park, New River Gorge. Today's episode is all about the science of gorges. Well, hello, gorges. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do you know about gorges? Um, what I think I know about gorges is that they are small canyons, that there's probably some process of erosion that takes place um, to form them. They're narrower canyons, I think, is what they are. At least I think that's what I know. So you did offer a little bit of difference there, but in your estimation or your, you know, best educated guess, Mm -hmm. what would you say is the difference between a canyon and a gorge? Size. Okay. Like depth and width, I guess is what my, (laughs) is what my best guess is. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Well, let's see how your answers measure up. Great. (laughs) Not to be confused with the word gouge, which means to make with a blade or something sharp like a chisel. And also not to be confused with the word gourd, which means to have shed blood from violence. Gourd is often used when the internet mentions the person at Yellowstone getting too close to a buffalo. Gorge is a term that means to eat large amounts of food in a greedy way. And in the game of homonym, I almost said honeymoon, <laughs> gorge also means a natural landform that resembles a valley with a steep, often rocky walls that has a stream running through it at the base. But a gorge shares many similar properties to terms for other natural landforms. At its core, a gorge is a large open area and is characterized by its V-like shape and a space for water to flow. Many other landforms also share these properties. So like a nesting doll, let's dive into these other landforms so that we can find the placement of the gorge. 
Starting at the smallest end of the nesting doll, there is the rill. A rill is a small, naturally occurring channel created by a small stream. Rills are sometimes associated with brooks. If you've ever been wandering through the woods and then you look down on the forest floor and there's a small stream flowing in any given direction, that's probably a rill. They are often stepped over on hiking trails or run nearby hiking trails. Some trails have even been created because of a rill that has dried up. Next up, there's a ditch where you live. A ditch is a small narrow <laughs> channel. <laughs> yes. A, a ditch is a small narrow channel that either occurs naturally <laughs> I'm sorry, that was too good. That was great. Uh, a ditch is a small narrow channel that either occurs naturally or has been dug out to allow water to pass through. A ditch can be used for drainage along sides of roads or can be a way to bring water away from low-lying areas. They can also be called a trench. They recede into the ground and allow for the movement of water. While ditches can occur naturally, they are most often created and dug out during community planning. Next up in the nesting doll of landforms is the gully. Now we are getting into landforms that are a little bigger. A gully is of a similar shape to a ditch, but is bigger and was naturally carved by flowing water. Their walls are high and often steep. They are characterized by the fact that the flowing water that created them was moving fast. The walls have receded sharply. An example of this would be the Yellowstone flooding. In many instances, it cut the land in a way that water cuts a gully. Though in this case, they didn't create a gully because this is literally like a river. Mm -hmm. that is flowing by these roads. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we see that road, like, sort of, like, lobbed off, and it's just that sort of sharp kind of, like... Sheer cut. That is what characterizes the gully. Next up is a gulch. Which is where you live. (laughs) Just like my favorite witch of all time, Mrs. Gulch. Soon it will be Halloween. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So I recently saw Stevie Nicks in concert, and um, it was a very special experience. She's very strange. I knew this already. Um, We love her for her strangeness. But after singing Rhiannon, the first song of her encore, she came to the mic and said, soon it will be Halloween, and then said nothing else and launched into the last song (laughs) of the set. (laughs) So, mm -hmm. gulches are larger than a gully, and they are often dry, but can become filled with water during a storm. Many gulches resemble slot canyons. Their walls are often very tall and steep. The next in the nesting doll of landforms is the ravine. A ravine is a large, steep, usually V-shaped depression in the earth caused by the flow of water. Sometimes water is found at the base of a ravine, sometimes not. Okay, all right. I have a secrets and lies story for you. This is a story I don't know that I've shared with you. Mm -hmm. Did I ever tell you about my experience with ravines hiking in Mexico? No. I just know about your bathroom issues in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Mm. You know what? I'm going to share that too. Oh, great. Why not? It was the same trip. Oh. I was on a, it was in high school and it was one of those mission trips to Mexico because I went to a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. It was part of a Catholic diocese. Mm -hmm. We were staying at this compound that the parish had created. That was my first time in a different country. And I, at the time, was afraid to use the bathroom. Mm. Uh, So I just held it in for days until finally I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, it was an epic moment. (laughs) (laughs) And that was literally the thing I was like, 
And that's when I knew I was gay. I could poop anywhere now, <laughs> right? And that was when I knew I was gay. <laughs> if only. But that was not my story about Rivians. <laughs> so there was this youth minister person with us on this trip because this was that kind of trip. Mm-hmm. His name was Paul. And may he rest in peace. He's no longer with us. But Paul was like, hey, everybody, I want to go hiking up into those mountains over there because there was this giant field Mm -hmm. right next to the compound where we were staying and then a bunch of mountains. And he was like, I want to hike up to that peak over there. And I was down. I was like, let's do it. That looks fun, right? So we had to get up at 6 a.m. to do it. We were all going into town and the bus was leaving at 10 Mm a.m. So the only time we could do it was very early. Sure. So... We are headed across what looks like a very flat field. Mm -hmm. And it was like a sandy field over to these mountains. Psych. There was like 10 ravines we could not see. Ah. And the only way to get to the mountain was to literally go down the ravine and up the other side. (laughs) And we had to do that 10 times, right? Then climb a mountain? Then climb the mountain. And I was so done by the time we got to the mountain. I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. This is a horrible experience. Meanwhile, Paul had asked me if I would carry his guitar on my back. I had said yes, and I regretted it then. Mm -hmm. And did he play that guitar when we got to the mountain? Not a single (laughs) note. Not at all. He didn't have this Maria Von Trapp moment. We got to like our sort of terminal point, like Mm -hmm. on the mountain. We had gone up and like found a trail and had made our way Mm -hmm. up to a sort of stopping point. We sat there for 10 minutes. We had no food with us Mm. and we had no water with us. This was before you knew what hiking preparation was. was. Oh, yeah. Right. I Mm -hmm. was like somebody had like a water bottle in their bag, a like 12 ounce water bottle. Mm -hmm. And it was like, everybody, I'm going to throw droplets of water at you. (laughs) See if they can get into your Mm -hmm. mouth. So on the way back, we were like, oh, let's go this other way back. Mm -hmm. It looks a little more. We're looking at the field from up top. Um, We were like, let's go this other way because it looks like we can avoid some of the ravines. Wrong. We had 15 ravines (laughs) on the way back. 15. Mm -hmm. And we did not arrive until 11 o'clock. So you missed the bus to town. Wrong. They waited. Oh. Because they knew that we were there and they could not leave us there. Ah. And so they were worried sick because we had no way of communicating with them. Sure. I remember that I walked in because we had brought a whole bunch. We brought all the food with us that we would eat the whole week. Sure. So there was a ton of snacks. I went into the kitchen area. I opened up a box of wheat thins and And I ate the entire box Mm -hmm. while sitting on a chair. Mm -hmm. I actually decided to um, commemorate the experience by not pooping for a week and <laughs> hiking a really hard no, hike. <laughs> I commemorated it by writing a parody of the song You Were Meant For Me by Jewel. Uh, and I called it Another Damn Ravine. Ah. Uh, and I later sang it for my class. Great. I, I can't know. wait to hear that at the end of this episode. I know, right? Anyway, anyway, mm-hmm. those who were there remember, mm-hmm. but that was my story of ravines. <laughs> ravines sneak up on you because like the ground looks flat, but mm. then suddenly there's a Surprise. ravine. Surprise. So after a ravine is a valley. (laughs) 
Valley is a common term used to describe any lower space between two taller landforms. A valley is not characterized by the formation of flowing water. Valleys are often formed by geological uplift on either side, creating a depression in the earth between the uplifts. Now we have finally arrived at a gorge. A gorge is larger than a valley and is characterized by high, often rocky walls with a stream or river running through the base. And now we've arrived at the largest of the nesting doll, and that is the canyon. A canyon is just like a gorge, except much larger. A canyon is characterized by vastness. Not that a gorge can't be vast, but a canyon tends to be incredibly vast. Look at me now and my stuff. Look at you. Mm -hmm. It's worth noting that there aren't hard and fast rules about these terms for these landforms. Sometimes they are specific in their definitions, and sometimes they are less so. For instance, canyon and gorge. These terms are commonly used interchangeably. Canyon is more often used in the U.S., while gorge is more commonly used in European parks. Gorge is, after all, a French word for throat or neck. A perfect example of this is our first episode from New River Gorge, which has been commonly accepted and referred to as a gorge. However, the boardwalk trail of the stairs that we did was called Canyon Rim Trail, along with the Canyon Rim Visitor Center. This is probably due to the fact that Canyon Rim is widely understood and accepted as a part of shared vocabulary. Gorge rim just doesn't spark the same kind of familiarity and clarity. Gorge rim. (laughs) But gorge rim. Oh, really? What's his name? George Tropicana. (laughs) (laughs) George Glass. George Rim. (laughs) (laughs) It does sound like that. Exactly. This is a Brady Bunch movie Mm -hmm, reference mm -hmm. that we're making right now. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about shared and accepted terminology that's not always accurate. Mm. So I feel like we've got a lot of this. Yeah. Especially when it comes to... English language is a wild landscape. Certainly. Mm -hmm. But like specifically in parks and shared vocabulary, Mm -hmm. I do feel like there is a lot of fluidity for the language landforms, sure. right? Unless it's like we know that landform is hyper specific mm-hmm. to this one thing. Yeah. I do feel like, for instance, like a mountain, mountain could be gets called, thrown around so many times. Mountain is thrown around peak, mm-hmm. mount. Yeah. Um hill even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I'm also thinking of canyon, mm-hmm. right? Canyon I remember like when we hiked Hidden Canyon in Zion, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is considered a canyon. I think technically knowing what I know now, that would probably... Be a gorge? It could, I mean, yes, but could also, I think, technically be a gulch or Mm. gully in that sort Mm -hmm. of world, but like... You know. Yeah, I think it's honestly probably in a lot of cases what sounds best. Like again, yeah, George Rim versus Canyon Rim, right? Um, and also, like, is it incorrect? Not necessarily. It's just it's for aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how is a gorge formed? The obvious answer might seem like erosion, and that is true. Erosion is a way that gorges form, but there are actually four ways that gorges can form. Let's dive in. The first way is, yes, erosion. Whenever there is movement of water, erosion is always occurring. Imagine, if you will, a plateau or any elevated piece of land. A stream or water source flows across it and finally reaches the edge. It has nowhere to go except over the cliff. This creates a waterfall. Over time, the water constantly flowing over the edge will begin to erode the land that it is flowing over, and that edge will begin to recede. This is essentially the starting point of most gorges. In short, water flow always equals potential for waterfall, and a waterfall always equals potential for gorge creation. An example of this is the New River Gorge. 
The second way is geologic or tectonic uplift. This means that rising and shifting of tectonic plates causing what becomes the high walls of the gorge, taking millions of years to shoot up out of the ground, similar to the formation of mountains to create a gorge. An example of this would be the Columbia River Gorge in Oregon. The third way a gorge is formed is the combination of both erosion and tectonic uplift. A great example of this is Black Canyon of the Gunnison. Here are those terms again being used interchangeably. In the geologic history of the Gunnison River and the area also now called Black Canyon, there is so much evidence of tectonic uplift. One can actually see this evidence when riding along the scenic drive of Black Canyon of the Gunnison if you get out to look at the painted wall. The final way a gorge can be created is through the melting of glaciers and the flowing of that water. An example of this are the gorges found in Ithaca, New York. However, these four ways that gorges are formed are not mutually exclusive. In almost every case, two or more of these are occurring. So I want to add here real quick is that gorges are studied the world over because there have been so many theories when it comes to tectonic uplift. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of theories about, well, we think the river is doing its own work, but simultaneously tectonic uplift is happening on either side. Mm. And so both are contributing at the same time. Mm. The more and more that they study them and the more and more that they study sedimentary rock, they start to see sort of when the tectonic uplift was happening. Okay. Versus where the river was Mm. at the various points in time. Because science Science. is based in fact and data. That's right. Right. Wind is also a contributing factor to the shaping of gorges. Wind is also a source of erosion. For evidence of this, we can look at Arches National Park. A natural arch is created sometimes by the flow of water, but most often from wind. When the wind finally breaks through the natural structure while still maintaining a natural bridge above, an arch is formed. There are two kinds of wind erosion. The first is called deflation. This is when the wind takes pieces of the earth and dust and moves it away from its origin point. There is also abrasion. That is when wind picks up pieces of earth or debris and they crash into parts of the earth, creating an abrasion. Wind is something that is often found in gorges, as gorges also serve as a natural vessel for wind to pass through. And studying wind in gorges has led to sustainable innovation. An example of this can be found in the Columbia River Gorge between Oregon and Washington State. Columbia Gorge is a popular spot for kiteboarding and parasailing because of the wind inside of the gorge. For the past two decades, researchers have worked with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, as well as the National Weather Service, to study and forecast wind patterns inside of Columbia Gorge. This has led to the installation of wind turbines to create power from wind energy. Wind energy, however, is known for its inconsistency. The owners of wind turbines and the utility companies have worked together to ensure no pause in power when wind energy is low. The most common solution to this being to make up for the moments of wind energy lapse through the use of hydroelectric energy from dams, which is also made possible by gorges. Thus, similarly, how the movement of water and the movement of wind can always be the potential for erosion, the movement of water and the movement of wind can also be the potential for sustainable energy creation. I love that. Right. So So gorges do a whole lot. They do. They do, which is like something I found really surprising in this research. Mm. And that's sort of the potential for like, okay, the shape of the earth will create opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's also, you know, a big issue that 
you know, they're facing or that we're all facing here is erosion caused by humans. Mm -hmm. Because obviously humans who access gorges and use gorges and go to gorges, that's, or, you know, even the things that humans use inside of them, boats, you Mm -hmm. know, other things, that's all adding to erosion. Got it. I did look up some stuff about can erosion be stopped. And it's like, there are things we can do. You mean man-made erosion? Or just... Yeah. yeah. Or, I mean... Man-enhanced If water is moving, Uh erosion is happening. Sure. There's no way. Like, we can't... Yeah. We can't undo that. Yeah. Right? And the same for wind. Technically, erosion is happening. Yeah. So, there are things we can do to minimize erosion, but it's sort of like aging. Like, Mm -hmm. it's going to happen whether we want it to or not. Mm -hmm. No matter if you talk to Isabella Rossellini and get that potion. (laughs) Right. The sources for today's trail mix include the Resource Library of National Geographic. The essay Columbia River Gorge by Paul Abbott, published on OregonEncyclopedia.org. The article Scientists Search a Gorge for the Secrets of Wind by John Fialka, published in Scientific American. The article Where Our Energy Comes From, Columbia Gorge Wind by Will Garrick, published by the Oregon Citizens Utility Board. And now, let's end this episode with a game. Okay, are you ready, Mike? I am. It is time to play Landforms and Pop Culture. Oh. I'm going to give you a clue, and you're going to provide an answer. The answer is sometimes a title. It's sometimes a phrase that is used in pop culture. Great. That uh, contains some kind of landform inside of the answer. Lovely. Okay, are you ready for the first one? I am. This was a phrase popularized in the 1980s by the sound of a voice that kind of sounds like this out of California. What is a valley girl? That is correct. Mm -hmm. Valley. (laughs) Or landform. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. For 200. Listen, baby. If you need me, call me. No matter where you are. No matter how far. Is some of the opening lyrics to this song originally sung by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Um, What is... Um, ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low. Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, or ain't no mountain high enough. Sure. Correct. But it had valley in it, which is what it I It does have to valley as well, mm-hmm. right? Because we talked about valleys. Correct. For 300. Mm-hmm. While in the stage production, Maria mentions this landform in the first line of the prelude to the opening song of The Sound of Music. However, she also mentions that in this line, which became the iconic opening first line to the film The Sound of Music. So I'm looking for the name of the song or both lines? You're just looking for the line and then the landform that's mentioned in the line. Let's climb every mountain. Oh no. No to the very first line that oh, is sung. The hills the sound, are alive? The hills With are the alive. Sound of music. Right. But there is climb every mountain. There is climb this every is mountain. This is a very <laughs> landformy sort of it musical. It is. It mm-hmm. was. High on a hill was a lonely goat herd. To, oh my like God. Right. I think we've cracked Rodgers and Hammerstein. <laughs> They're just talking about landforms. <laughs> They're talking about landforms. <laughs> These Uh-oh. are a few of my favorite things. When the wind blows through the gorges. <laughs> 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 right. Oh, goodness. You did it. Mm-hmm. You did it. Honey, Her, the song first, in my heart. The I'll first line she sings in the show, mm-hmm. there's the prelude is, My day in the hills has uh-huh. come to an end, mm-hmm. I know. So she mentions hills there as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. For 400, this film about a group of thieves originally starred Frank Sinatra, but in its remake... It starred 
Brad Pitt and George Clooney. What is Ocean's Eleven? Correct. Because of the ocean? <laughs> because of ocean. Because of It's Pitt. not technically a landform. <laughs> because form. of Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Pitt. <laughs> yes. We're dealing with Pitt's Pit now. of despair. <laughs> right, exactly. For 500. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Brad Pitt, some might argue that this is the film that gave us Brad Pitt. And I'm not talking about Thelma and Louise. I'm talking about another film where he's outside in the woods and it's very sad. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I would say Thelma because they're jumping through that canyon at the end, dying together. <laughs> um, outside in the woods and it's very sad. Correct. But that's the name of the film? <laughs> outside of the woods, it's very sad? No. That's my autobiography. <laughs> right, right. Um, I don't know. I'm stumped. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a very young Brad Pitt. One way IMDb describes this movie as two sons of a stern minister, one reserved, one rebellious, grow up in rural 1920s Montana while devoted to fly fishing. What is a river runs through it? You got it. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that was that he was in that. Devoted to fly fishing. Find a new hobby. <laughs> no, I know that fly fishing is very exciting. But man... What is that film about? (laughs) I've never seen it. And then finally for 600. Oh. We have a $600 clue. It's for fancy girls. Mm -hmm. This film, based on a book, starred our favorite non-Oscar winner, Glenn Close, as, as IMDb describes it, a single New England woman responding to an advertisement by a Midwestern widower in which he asks for a bride to help him raise his two children. What is Sarah Plain and Tall? That is correct. Oh, is it really? it is? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because of the planes. Right. This has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gaze at the National Parks.com. That's Gaze, G A Z E. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website, and in the gaze shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Sklios. Our music producer is Skylar Fordgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode, that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Middlesex County, New Jersey.